welcome to Night of the Living Geeks. If you geek out over it, we've got a podcast. of Podcastica, a Doctor Who review podcast here on NOTLG.com, episode 165, Battlefield. My name is John, and joining me every time we watch the Brig make his triumphant return is my good friend Taylor. Taylor, he's not a robot. He is not a robot. Thank God for that. Was this his last classic Who? It had to have been. Yes, it it was. I think the brig comes back in a Sarah Jane Adventures oh. episode, but yeah, that's basically it. And that's where it should have ended. Uh, yeah. How dare they? Anyway. I know, right? How are you? Um, I'm pretty well. Pretty yeah. well. I'm um, kind of shocked with how close we are to a number of important things happening this month, namely my son's eighth, birth- eighth birthday. Eighth. Um, oh, Thanksgiving. Oh, goodness. Uh, and the the release of Hell Your Season Two. I just saw that go up. Um, I uh, I'm gonna get there. I'm gonna get there. I hope so. I mean, I still have the time. Um, I will. I, I guess I'll make my uh, my announcement here. Um, we we have a pup. We bought a, a dog. It's it's a cute little pup. So I do have the yeah. time. I have to you know sit with this pup that is always sleeping. So I just uh, have to sit down and make sure he sleeps for how long? 45 minutes? Longer? Ladies and gentlemen, for what it's worth, he's not asking me. He's asking Lord. No, no, no. In the background. No, I'm asking you. Oh, you're asking me? Yes, yes. Oh, how? Oh, he's got to sleep for the length of the documentary? <laughs> no, I guess not. But but, but anyway, uh, yes, we, we went out and we, went, we adopted a pup. Uh, he is a Datsun mix. And when I know this is a stereotype, but usually when it's a mix in the city of Los Angeles, the mix portion is a Chihuahua. So we're pretty sure um, it's funny because my friend Dan, I told him it's a mix between um, and I made that joke and he said, oh, so that's a stereotype about Los Angeles. That is true. And Dan lives in Canada. So fair. uh, I thought that was very funny. Um, wow! But yes, he is. Um, uh, they think six months old, but he. Oh, is, he's a he's really a little pop. Yeah, he is more than likely younger than that. Is what they said. Um, it seems as though his previous owners had a it, what we were told a dispute with the landlord. Oh, um, but he kind of looks like he's been underfed. So that might have been a a weird uh, not a not truth that was told. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. So the other thing is we got him from a place called um, Dogs Without Borders and his pictures up there. You can see him. We have renamed him. Um, his name on Dogs Without Borders was Maltball. Nice. And we have renamed him Henson. I I think a for the better change. Yes. But um, he is he's on Dogs Without Borders, um, their Instagram page, which is just Dogs Without Borders. And I, you know, I just found it. it, I found him and it was like, you know, gives the little description. It's a picture of him. And I scrolled down and who. Oh, where is it? Is it gone now? 
Oh wait, it's not this one. I think it was a, a earlier one. Um, this this page has a lot of followers, and it has some celebrity followers as well. And I can't find the malt ball comment, but on the page, um, one Hillary Swank had commented on it, um, and it was very. Here it is. I found it. It was the first one. Um, yeah, Hillary Swank commented on this dog. She said it's a it's a good thing he was surrendered, um, as whomever was his human, was clearly starving him. Oh, wow. Yeah, this is going to be <laughs> the biggest blessing of his sweet life because he has you guys to rescue him and someone who will adopt, um, excitedly adopt him and love him for all his days. Hillary Swank, that's us. We did that. That 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 is about as L.A. slash Hollywood as you can get. Your dog has been basically endorsed by Hillary Swank. How crazy is that? That's pretty crazy. <laughs> I was just <laughs> scrolling and I went, "Wait, what?" <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's pretty cool. This is. I mean, if we have any LA listeners that are looking for a dog, uh, dog with dogs without borders, pretty cool place. Um, yeah, super cool. Um, Very nice. Yeah. So there's their little plug, and now we have a little pu- nice. a little pup, obviously named after Jim Henson. We were trying to think of a, you know, a Doctor Who reference, but we never got that far. Yeah, I was kind of expecting one, honestly. We, you know, we're, we plan on having more than one one pup, so we'll see. Nice. And for the record, the documentary in its complete length is about five hours, but it's in five parts, so about an hour a piece. Okay, I think uh, he he sleeps um, he sleeps a lot. Well, I I would too if I could. Yeah, I mean, if I was a a dog i'd probably sleep a lot um so i think that's all that's going on in my life at this moment it's been a pretty big change um but you know we're ready we're ready to we're ready to tackle this you're you're ready to have a little one around the house yeah it's funny because dog that is um because somebody said to me like oh is this in prep for uh, a child and i went no oh yeah no i mean children are full of energy yeah um I'll attest to that. Yeah, is this the but... test run for a child? And I said, no. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> it's just a pup we are going to have. So, Taylor, we uh, let's get into it here. Before we start talking about Battlefield, um, we have some Who news. We do, yeah. We got a little bit of Who news. Um, um, there has been an official, uh, basically, info release of the creative staff for Season 12, despite the fact that you know, we were told to watch a space. We were told to watch a space for a while. And then when they finally said something, they're like, watch the space on this particular day. To which I proceeded to say, okay, the BBC does not know how to social media at all. No, dude, this is so annoying. Didn't they do this? This is not the first or second time that they've done this to us. Uh, no, it's not. Ugh. It's, yeah, it's it's annoying. It's very annoying. And part of me is just like, you know what, I'm, I don't have the energy to get all that upset. Part of me is like, look, information is going to get here when it gets here. I, I kind of just like, I don't look at any comments on their social media. I don't dare torture myself with that. And when I do see stuff from them, it's like, okay, cool. Great. Yeah. It's just like, all right, cool story, bro. Like. Yeah, pretty much. So, I mean, I'm, again, once again, what'd they say? The 23rd, watch the space? Yeah, Dr. Who Day. So, I mean, 
once again a new story will break when when uh you know we're not recording um yes and also we'll, uh, we'll probably get some uh some more gallifrey guests this tomorrow actually yes i think i think there is supposed to be a guest announcement sometime this week oh, it, just watch will be tomorrow of course um yeah you're welcome everyone and um can i just say i, I did watch the uh the children in need oh uh, i didn't get a chance to dr Hubit. it it honestly wasn't terribly long and as much as um uh as much as i am sympathetic and my heart goes out and 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 there is a a joy in in watching these people uh you know do do something nice literally for a children a child in need um i i do kind of miss getting a little adventure yeah, I mean, you know, I, I I feel like I'm not sure if I was watching live uh, since we've gotten Little Adventures. I mean, they might have done something for Matt Smith, but I don't recall. Oh, didn't they just do that? Was the phone call one? Was that Matt Smith? Um, that might have been. I think I think the last proper like quote unquote adventure was Tenant Five. Oh my goodness, that was so fun. That was. Yeah. I mean, they, I wish they would do those more. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. I mean, I honestly, um, even even the one they did last year um, was, it was bigger. It was, you know, they, they, they took this kid on like a tour behind the scenes and into like prop rooms and stuff. This year, they brought a girl out and she was excited and, and they showed a video and it was like Jody and all them and saying, Hey, and then all of a sudden the screen parts and they're right there. And literally they give her a toy Sonic. They, mm. they give her something that you could just go down to hot topic and buy. Yeah. Um, and, and don't get me wrong. She's thrilled. It's cute. It's heartwarming to watch on some level, but then you go, man, you guys really kind of chintzed out. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. That's disappointing, but also, I mean, still pretty cute. Well, yeah. In its own way, but... In its own way, this is true. But getting back to what we were starting to say, the creative staff for season 12, um, we have um, one, links in the show notes, in case for some reason you haven't seen this already. Um, We've got three new writers join the show. Uh, We have Nina uh, Metivier, Metivier, I'm not sure. It depends on how much French she's got in her background, I guess. guess Um, Maxine Alderton and Charlene James. We've got three female writers. Yes. Which is excellent. Um, I, from what I have read, I do believe that uh, Chibnall is writing four stories. Yes. Out of the 10. Yeah. Or technically 11, I guess. Yes. Um, We've got um, four new directors which I think we may have kind of guessed at some of these earlier. We have uh, uh, Nita Manzor, uh, Emma Sullivan, uh, Jamie Magnus Stone, and Lee Haven Jones, which I think was the name we had talked about before. Yes, it was. And then coming back, uh, still on the roster from last year, Vinay Patel, yes. right? Demons of the Punjab, Ed Heim, It Takes You Away, which I personally really enjoyed, um, and Pete McTighe, who did Kerblam. Wonderful. Interestingly Wonderful. enough, a year ago today, Kablam aired. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, look at that. The I just, I, I, I will shout out the Twitter account who on this day, um, because it's fun to get up every morning and see, you know, what aired and 
who's celebrating a birthday and and who's remembering a passing um in the world of doctor who yeah so um i i like it i mean i i love that we have more diversity yes. we have more uh women um working on the show um i'm i'm excited i'm excited and i think somewhere i saw and i i've, I've lost the link because i was looking for it earlier but um I think Bradley Walsh gave an interview and was like, Oh yeah, there are parts of this new season that are genuinely like scary. Great. Like, like darker, more terrifying at times. And I'm like, bring it good. Like, don't, don't let me down Graham. Yeah. Let's do this. I like you a lot. I still think you need to wrap your sandwiches when you stick them in your pockets, but you know, <laughs> I'm not the one washing your jacket. Very so. true. Very true. Yeah, <laughs> um, pretty exciting. I mean, we're, you know, we'll see what this announcement is. Hopefully. I mean, the it rumor... sure as hell better be a trailer. Oh uh, yeah. It better. I mean, the rumor rumor has it that it's um, when we have the trailer and then they go, it's going to be a new year special. And then, apparently you know the rumor is oh by the way the rest of the season is happening now yeah that's the rumor so we'll yes. see and we've kind of talked about that on previous episodes yeah. and i'm 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 hoping that's i'm hoping that's the case yes as am i um but we shall see now last episode we mentioned that the master was getting his own unofficial annual and hot on the heels of that the same folks have announced that the unofficial 1987 Doctor Who annual is ready for pre-order. Um, so, of course, being 1987, it covers everything, I believe, from 1986. So it's pretty much all Colin Baker stuff. Right. Um, it not um, uh, Sylvester McCoy stuff, as you would expect uh, from that year. Um, but, again, a, a lot of sill because, you know, 19... Uh, uh, this was what Colin Baker's last season. So we've got right. time Lord, all that good stuff. And boy, can I just say the promo image they have for it is so eighties. Yeah. I don't think it could get more eighties. Honestly, <laughs> we've got grids. We've <laughs> got grids, neon yeah. glow. We've got Colin Baker coming out of a triangle. Yeah. The grids. I think I was just like, there's grids and also palm trees for some reason. Uh, yes. That's <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, I get it. A step back in time. Step back to the 80s. That's right. Absolutely. So uh, always exciting. Always exciting. These, these, this is fun. This is one of those things where like, if I, if I just had money to burn, I would probably pick up as many of these as I could because they, I'm sure they are a hoot to flip through. Oh, I bet. I mean, it, it you know, maybe we'll see some at Gallifrey. Oh, wait. When is uh, very well, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Keep an eye out for them. That'd be fun. Yeah. Oh, well, lastly, this time uh we 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 have some big finish news feels like we haven't talked big finish news in a little while yeah just a little bit i've been i've been listening to the uh the first disc granted digitally of the uh time war gallifrey series um so we've got some romano we've got some leela uh we've got the derek jacoby master yeah man it's uh it's been fun it's been good so far i think we need to um we need to we'll we'll think ahead and we'll, we'll do a big finish here. Uh, let's just pu- say uh, before the year is over. There we go. Let's put that okay. Out. Let's put that out there. We, we we will have to pick that up relatively soon. Yes, we will. But um, there's not a whole lot of year left. Yeah, and we you know with us every other week. Ew. Yeah, 
but at least every other week when you've got, you know, a big finish audio and it's sometimes, <clears throat> you know, four to four and a half hours. Yes. You know, plenty of time, plenty oh, yeah. of time. But big finish is taking the first doctor back to Scarrow. I love this. Uh, with the first doctor adventures volume four. This is good stuff right here. Yeah. Um, this, this will be neat. Um, we've got uh, David Bradley doing first doctor. Um, and uh, as, as they describe it, um, uh, Gemma Powell, Jamie Glover and Claudia Grant return as the original yet slightly different TARDIS <laughs> team. <laughs> uh, this will be dropping in March of 2020. So uh, you won't be able to pick it up at Gallifrey one. No, but also good because I can't give that booth any more money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i hear you i i still haven't gotten to my uh trouble with drax oh i mean download I've, i haven't gotten to uh stuff i bought from them two years ago i well you watch a lot of wrestling what can i say it's true i do and i, and I keep harassing you to watch documentaries so i don't know what to that's also you. true <laughs> it's not harassing it's politely asking me to do something uh gently prodding you how about that that's better sure okay <laughs> well great i mean i i love david bradley as the first doctor i think uh, I, yeah i have too and it's and it's been a kick because we've been reading um harry potter and then you know watching oh yes, yes movie and so every time filch is on scene it's like oh it's the first oh hey such a uh, different uh you know what a what a range oh yeah right such a different character. It really is. Really, really is. All righty then. I'm trying to think if I've heard any random who news that I was like, oh, yeah, we should talk about that. But I don't think I heard of anything. Um, all right. Here we go. Battlefield. Starring Sylvester McCoy as the Doctor. Sophie Aldred as friend of the show, Ace. Nicholas Courtney as the Brig. Angela Bruce as Brigadier Winifred Bambera. Yes. What a name. We'll get to that. We will. Actually, there's a <laughs> lot to say about her name. Gene uh, Marsh as uh, Morgane. Mm-hmm. And Anton Merrick as the Destroyer. And man, yes. do I have a million thoughts about the Destroyer. But we... Oh, and I have some interesting bonus information about the Destroyer. I'm, we will I'm very s- much get to that. I'm so excited. Uh, it was written by Ben Aaron- Aronovic. Aronovich. Aronovich. Oh, man. Vich. Vich. What am I doing? And, uh, I don't know. <laughs> directed by Michael Kurgan. I know that name. Uh, wrestling people will know why I know that name. But anyway. Uh, first aired September 6th through the 27th of 1989. Goodness, we were in World Series territory there. Yeah, pretty much. Oakland A's versus San Francisco Giants. But anyways, this was the first story of season 26. And we have a slew of story notes and then some uh, mostly brought to us by the folks, the fine folks at TARDIS Wikia. So, Taylor, take it away. Yeah, we again, we always love talking about working titles uh, on this show. And this one had a ton. Uh, so the story had working titles of Nightfall, K-N-I-G-H-T, Nightfall. Yeesh, no. Yeah. Storm over... And I'm I keep going. I keep wanting to say just Avalon, but I and I heard it pronounced in in like the second episode, and I can't remember it now. I think it's Avalion. I think it's Avalion. Okay, Storm over Avalion. 
um, which apparently was the one preferred by Cartmel and uh, Aronovich. Uh, Lake over Avalion. All right. Pool of Avalion. Song of Avalion. The oddly noticed stormtroopers of Avalion. Yeah, that one is way out of place with everything else. Very much so. And the battlefield. Oh, the battlefield. Right. I mean, <laughs> I guess they went with the best one, just battlefield. Uh, you know, it's funny because um, I pulled out my copy of Andrew Cartmel's uh memoir i guess script doctor which uh friend of the show mike solko was kind enough to to give me and have signed for me um and i am looking for uh what they had said oh at this early stage the story was still called storm over avalion a title for which both ben and i have some residual affection john nathan turner asked us to change it to something less obscure and more punchy weird yeah, we perhaps lost something by changing the tile because the original, with its strange echo of Avalon, hinted at a moody Neo-Arthurian piece, which is precisely what we were aiming at. All right. Yeah. I mean, I'll I'll follow that, man. Works for me, right? <laughs> oh, and Andrew Cartmel is a delight to talk to and hang out to. And if you ever sit down at his table at a con, you may end up running the table for a little while as he runs I, off to go get changed. I do recall this, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun what can i say yeah um this story takes place a few years in the future from ace's starting point it takes place in 1997 this is made evident when ace is surprised that the combined costs of a glass of water and a glass of lemonade are five pounds she about loses her mind when that happens <laughs> you're right and then i also love in that scene i know we're getting ahead of ourselves that the little robot was currency that, that yes and and it's funny there's actually a comment on that in in script doctor oh, seriously great. folks Buy that book. It is so good. If you are a fan at all of the Seventh Doctor era, you have to own that book. Um, beginning with this serial until the end of the season, the Seventh Doctor's cream coat is exchanged for a brown one to symbolize his shift from a lighthearted buffoon to the Machiavellian plotter he is known for being across other mediums. Ah, yes. Yep. Um, <clears throat> now, this is kind of like the big behind the scenes story for 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 battlefield during the water tank scene at the end of part two which might be one of the best cliffhangers ever the tank's glass cracked and you can kind of see it in a couple of scenes uh sending broken glass and water across the studio toward the electrical equipment by chance sylvester mccoy noticed in time to alert the crew uh sophie aldred was pulled out in time and the studio was hurriedly evacuated because water and electricity tend not to mix uh to ensure that nobody assumed that he was ad-libbing in character, McCoy swore briefly before asking someone to get her out of there. Um, because, honestly, when Sylvester McCoy kind of shouts something, his voice completely changes. Yeah. Um, and he did that quite a few times in this story. So I, I imagine, yes, swearing before saying something uh, to cue everyone that, hey, I'm not giving a line right here. Yeah, wow. It's pretty smart. Yes. Goodness. Yeah. Um, now it's commonly believed by cast and crew that Sophie might've died. If McCoy hadn't noticed in time, I, Gary Downey had said that she was in no danger and it was on the floor crew at risk. Um, although other cast and crew believed otherwise. So take that for what you will. Granted, if that glass had smashed and she came tumbling out with the water, I'm sure she would have gotten cut up. Oh, absolutely. A bit, um, died. I don't know, but you know, I never know. You never know. Injured, sure. 
Um, did you know this is the actually last uh, serial in the classic series to feature the TARDIS console room? Really? Yeah, as well as being the only TARDIS interior scene of season 26. Huh. Yeah, the sequence in part one where the Doctor and Ace receive a mysterious distress signal from sideways in time was recorded on a hastily constructed set, the shortcomings of which were disguised by having the console room in semi-darkness. Right, right. Um, And this was because the regular TARDIS scenery wall flats had been mistakenly junked after the recording of Greatest Show in the Galaxy. Oh, my God. I mean, are we? Uh, am I? Should I even be surprised? <laughs> I feel like I shouldn't. Right. Ugh. Well, lastly, this is the only season opener during the Seventh Doctor's era. Granted, there's only three season openers uh, in his era to not begin with a pre-credit scene. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. That is a lot of. That's some great. Do you have any? Uh, st- are you going to be referencing the book throughout, or do you have any? Other- I, I I will. Yes. Wonderful. I will, because if I hit it all right now, we would spend the rest of the episode just going <laughs> through this. <laughs> hey, it it sounds very interesting, so... I mean, it, it really is good. Whatever. But, as always, Taylor has a world-famous synopsis for us, so take it away. All right. Ace and Merlin, uh, rather, the doctor, land in England, 1970, 1997, not 1977, Taylor, with a new brigadier and expensive beer. At the same time, it turns out, figures from Arthurian legend who are actually from a parallel universe, okay, arrive on Earth ready to throw down to reclaim Excalibur. It seems they know our Doctor and pepper the story with future references that sadly never pan out. Plus, we get a rather nice feminist ending, too. Absolutely we do. And it's a hilarious ending. (laughs) Man, so do you think we would have, I mean, before we get into the episode... Do you think at some point, if if the classic series had continued, that we would have actually seen the Doctor? That would have been interesting. Become Merlin. It. I. I. I, I don't know about become Merlin, but I, my understanding was that at some point they wanted to like drop this pin here in order to come back around to it at another point. Um, that would have been amazing. Like the paragraph right after I quoted uh, in the story notes, um, uh, Cartmel says, and then, of course, since it was a Doctor Who story, we had to think about how the Doctor would fit in to a neo-Arthurian story. (laughs) If you're going to do an Arthurian story, says Ben, then the Doctor just has to be Merlin. And it couldn't be a story about the Doctor's past because we were already doing that with Remembrance of the Daleks, which he also wrote. So it had to be the Doctor's future. His future comes back to bite him in the ass. After all, it's a time travel show. This fit nicely with the fact that it was set in the near future, just the way the Dalek story was set in the near past. I saw them as a pair, a philosophical pair, if that's not too pretentious a way of putting it. No, it is not. Not at all. My goodness. Yeah. Just start from chapter one. Let's do it. I'm just kidding. start. Oh, in the book? Yeah, let's do it. Oh, no, good I'm, heavens. Chap- chapter start, one is going to do be the book like on, pre-getting the job as, as script editor. Let's do the book on tape right now. Oh, man. I don't know that my voice is up for, for reading an entire book on tape right now. And take one. No. Um, so, uh, Taylor, overall feelings about uh, about this, about Battlefield? What do you got? Look, I'll, I'll be honest, man. Taking on the Legend of Arthur is no small feat. Like, oh. this is, it, it's about as British as you get. Yes. <laughs> um, and, and personally speaking, I think they do a pretty decent job. I mean... I have fun with it. Yeah. Um, I mean, they work, they even work in a, 
bit of like proper witchcraft with the whole chalk circle thing. Uh-huh. Um, it's not a perfect story by any means. Obviously, a lot of the special effects leave a little bit to be desired. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, but at the same time, you, you remember, okay, this is the 80s. They're like, hey, we can do things with computers and these little, you know, uh, three and a half inch floppy disks that, you know, <laughs> hold like a megabyte and a half. Um, but it, it was the kind of thing where when I got done watching this story, I immediately tweeted out saying that, that I forgot just how much I actually enjoyed the story. Um, and I, and I tagged Ben Aronovich in it. Um, unfortunately it turns out having read the, uh, the chapter on battlefield, um, he can't get more than a couple minutes into this before just shutting it off and being like, I can't watch it. Oh no. It's so heartbreaking when I read it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> oh. I'm I'm going to read here. Battlefield was the classic example of that in a a really good script that that no matter how hard you worked uh did not translate as well to screen. Um despite it being a brilliant script, a fact what I which I keep reminding Ben of to this day, he can't bear to watch the show. While I was working on this book, I borrowed his VHS tape of the story, right? When I put it into my machine, the tape was wound a few minutes into the first episode. And he says, did you see where the tape was wound to? Says Ben, that's as far as I got. That was as much <laughs> as I could bear to watch. As soon as I saw the knights, he falls silent. The performers were good, though. Yeah. <laughs> it oh. was heartbreaking to read that. I was like, oh. Yeah. Oh, that's that's a uh, man. Well. I mean, they can't, they can't all be zingers for everyone, I guess. Well, that is true. And what did you think? What were you over? Because this was this is your first time seeing it, right? Yeah, this is my first time seeing it. Um, I was, you know, I was sitting there watching it. I think this is, I have just a lot of, I mean, I didn't write overall feelings, but I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed this. Um, I thought they did a good job of bringing, um, you know, classic uh, you know, that that era of character into, I guess it would technically be modern day. Um, mm-hmm. I did. I, I even though the the thought of them having, um, I guess, uh, laser guns or whatever we're going to call them was a little weird. I still was like, eh, whatever. It's an alternate alternate uh, past or alternate dimension, whatever. I'm fine with it. Um, mm-hmm. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. I thought the battles were were pretty cool, with the exception of one death scene, which I posted on my uh, uh, my Twitter account. Which was oh just, my god, I laughed that was so funny. I laughed really hard at that, and I yep. went, you know what? I got to make a gif of this. Um, I I even showed the kids that gif, and they had to laugh at it. Oh, <laughs> fantastic! Um, I I I really enjoyed this, and I'm 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 glad we watched it, and I'm excited to. To dive into it. Definitely. Absolutely. So, I mean, it. Uh, I, I don't even know. This, I called. I thought they were space knights at first. I thought we were. Well, that's dealing, what I kept calling them throughout. I thought we were dealing with some some robot android space knights. And I went. Okay. And I'm glad that you said that because that's what the original idea was envisioned. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. And I'm going to quote here. They were supposed to be futuristic knights in powered armor, which had a vague resemblance to medieval armor. Um, Hence Asa's line when they find Anselin lying in the brewery. Is it an android? Right. This piece of dialogue ended up seeming a bit baffling 
since it's clearly a conventional knight in armor lying there. Um, so they, they was compare... it though? It didn't look like it. He, well, his face was fully covered. He flew in from the from space and <laughs> and you know crash landed into and was alive. So it was just well, like you know. Well, yeah, but but um, but it looked it looked like medieval yeah, or medieval, medieval-ish yeah, right. armor. Yeah. Right. So what what they were picturing? What I mean, you know, give give the whole thing kind of a like a, a modern blue LED underglow. Oh. You know, powered armor. Think think uh, uh, think Starship Troopers. Okay. Book. Um, so he says the designers just didn't get it. That was an experience on my part. I didn't realize they couldn't think outside the box. Instead of this futuristic powered armor, we got standard medieval chainmail. And it wasn't even stock armor, says Ben. I wouldn't have minded if it was stock armor, but they made it especially. They especially made the wrong kind of armor. Instead of using the word android, I should have said robot in the hope the designers might read it. <laughs> wow. Shoot. Yeah. Um, but I mean, besides that, I mean, we're talking about the design of the of the knights. I thought they all looked great. I, I dig the look. Yeah. Oh, I absolutely dug it. I did the look because it, it is medieval ish yeah it was kind of confusing because you know they're at first it's like i thought they were all on the same side and then mm-hmm. oh they were not all on the same side um but they were you know that there was no distinguishing uh because some of the knights were dressed like oh goodness uh um Anselin. Anselin? yeah yeah yep. uh some of them were dressed like him but they were bad guys so that was a little strange for me um just on a random note but i mean overall i i really loved the design of of these space knights as we will call them yeah um, and, and i love flipping space knights yes i think i think the uh one other thing i just love that everyone is super convinced that the doctor is Merlin. And I also super love that he goes, yes, I am. (laughs) (laughs) But then when they leave, he's like, clearly I am not. Uh, Yeah. Let's just go along with this. Yeah. And that's honestly, that is something that I would, I feel like we kind of see it a little bit with like all the river song stuff in modern who. Yeah. But I'd love to see more little things where like the doctor's future, you know, comes up and it's like, I'm no, I don't think you're, I'm just going to roll with it, you yeah. know, or, or like the doctor here, he just owns it. He's like, well, of course I am. Yes. Uh, this must happen to my future, but of course I am. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, I feel like that has some, some kind of like, not as, you know, big into the plot has happened more currently where he's just like, oh, I guess it just really hasn't happened to me yet. All right, whatever. Um, yeah. But this was like a major like plot point was that he was Merlin um, and everybody believed it. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, typical it. dishwashers. Yeah, typical, done. typical. You want me to mark that? Nope. Oh, all right. it's been in so many episodes now. I think our listeners are used to the dishwasher. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> um, I, for me, like this is peak ace doctor banter. Wow. There is some great, yeah, there's some great interchanges between them. And, and Ace alone has some great 
lines oh, with yeah. other characters. Yeah, I mean, I don't have a lot. I don't I don't have one note for Sophie Aldred. Sophie, I'm so sorry. Friend of the show. What? I don't have one. But, I mean, oh. she was fantastic in this. Um, you know, just our one of our favorite companions just doing her thing throughout. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. And um, I loved the, the scene... Like just like I said, the banter between uh, McCoy and her is is fantastic. I loved the safety standards line after the oh, giant yes. explosion and all the in jokes <laughs> about like time and space where they're just like side eyeing each other, going ho ho ho. I just mm-hmm. loved it. It was all great, um, and I just wish that Ace had actually become king of the Britons. Right. That's probably what should have happened. Well, and and she's got a great line. She, you know, she comes out from from the lake with Excalibur, and the um, uh, uh, the archaeologist is like, you know, what are you doing in the lake? And she's like, drowning. Yes, that was amazing. Oh my god! Yeah, um, and then she's like, here, I don't, I don't want to. You take it. Yeah, pretty much. Which is very funny. Yeah, and I love that our our season twenty six ace. Um, like her outfit, like she's already starting off more mature. She's not just in, um, like legging shorts and a t-shirt and her jacket. Right. Yeah. You know, she's they're They're making an effort. Like they've updated the doctor's jacket. So they, they're, they're updating her outfit. They, they both are, you know, maturing. And obviously I think even in survival, we get kind of a similar outfit. She's not just, uh, running around like it's remembrance of the Daleks and right her boom box and everything. I missed that boom box. It's called the boom box. box. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Forgot about the boom box. Wow. Yeah. Oh um, yeah. No. Yeah. But just for me, it was just like great, great ace doctor stuff. Which I mean, like, you know, they're, they're a great pair and they're still a great pair today mm-hmm. when they're at conventions. It's just, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Just that good stuff. That galley, when they were both, just running oh, around the audience telling stories where he best. didn't even have they didn't even have a moderator he just took the microphone and went let's fu- let's answer some questions and yep. he was just a madman it was good oh stuff. he's completely a madman oh, i love it it was so love great it. love that man um speaking of someone else we love uh the brig making his return Hooray. Uh, for me this was uh i think i put somewhere this was the briggs and he actually said it at the end this was his I'm too old for the sheezy uh, like in in the entirety. He just loves gardening. He's married. He's having a good time. And then he hears the doctor is back and he's like, I'm in. I'm back, yeah. baby. Let's this go. This is oh, my gosh. This is completely the Brigadier's lethal weapon episode. Yeah, basically. I mean, that is exactly what this even is. down to the end where, yeah. <laughs> where he just, just knocks the doctor out and takes the gun. And I, I mean, I wish we had gotten a, a five rounds rapid line. Yes. For some reason, I thought there was one in this episode and I kept watching for it every time he was on screen. And yeah. I'm like, I'm just misremembering this. I mean, th- there was a, many an opportunity for him to mm-hmm. say it. I mean, at least two to three during the, the last episode, um, you know, because he unloads into the destroyer. Who, yeah. Um, <laughs> We'll just wait. We'll get to him. I'm so excited. Um, oh, wait till you hear what I have to share about I'm, him. I am very excited. I mean, for me, like when the Brig and the Doctor first get back after he, uh, the Brig steps on the uh, little crystal thing that's controlling the ghost snake, 
more on yes. that, more on <laughs> that later. Um, <laughs> I was like, oh, they're back. They're friends again. And I just, I really enjoyed that. I, I enjoyed these two working together. Mm-hmm. Um, Brig just throughout was great. I really, I loved that he was basically in j- helicopter for like an episode and a half. I know, right? I, I actually have a note. I'm like, how long has he been in this helicopter? It's like, it's night now. And then I went, oh, wait, I think it's a different flight. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, they didn't make that very clear. No, no, they did not. Uh, and I, I love um, how, like, the Brig is living it up. That is the biggest house I've ever seen oh, know, in my right? entire life. Do you see how much land he had? They landed a helicopter yeah. there and still had yeah. so much room. It was nuts. He That's a lot of gardening he's got to do. That's all he, I got to say. Yeah, he loves gardening. That's like his new thing, uh, apparently. But you yep. know, as soon as he hears, he's back in. He's just rip-roaring and ready to go. It was, yep. it was Queen good. of country. He's yes. got to go do it. Oh. Loved it. Um, Brig was great in this, and also just you know, I I love that he's like you're he uh, you're uh, less expendable than I am, and is like, well, let's just do this. I don't care. Uh, it's good <laughs> stuff. Love love the Brig. Um, but and then we have a new Brig. We do. Uh, Bambera, which is yeah. what a name. Winifred Bambera. Did you know that Winifred is a form of Guinevere? Uh- <laughs> nice. No, I did and, not. And and Anselin is a form of Lancelot. Of course it is. That's <laughs> that's very good. And I mean that's that's kind of what I wanted to touch on is they worked off of each other so well. Oh my gosh. It it, it, it was a delight. Like right from the start, she's all business. He's all like, Hey, I recognize you're a warrior and um I kind of fancy you. Yeah. And so I'm going to flirt with you in my semi-Shakespearean way. And at first she doesn't go for it and they tussle. Yeah. Oh, dude. Okay. That <laughs> scene is brilliant where they are just fist fighting each other. And the doctor's like, we don't have time to worry about this. And he just keeps walking as they're just beating the crap out of each other, which is so funny. I loved that. It's great. It was so good. Um, but Bam- Bambera, I could say that name all day. Maybe we'll name our rename the dog that. <laughs> no, um, she was next dog. for sh- Yes, next dog. She was for sure um, a certified badass. Uh, I love where they're driving in the car and she's like, do you have cars in your universe? And he's like, no. And she's like, great. Just grab a hold of this wheel and then just starts <laughs> unloading on people. Yes. Like opens the top. This whole scene using a Citroen 2CV, right, with the with the cloth top, and she pops out. (laughs) She's just like like, oh my gosh. I didn't know you could use one as an attack vehicle. So good. And I love that one of the onlookers who was a bad guy was like obsessed with that. He was like, Man, that's cool. I can't remember (laughs) what he said, but he was just very impressed by it um yeah and yeah they they were they were a great um i ship it for sure yeah i right <laughs> absolutely um and i i she's got a great line because i think Anselin has just used like milady one too many times and she's like look call me milady one more time and i'm gonna break your nose yes yes 
That what does she say about uh, when she's you and your free? Oh, you and your freaky friends are under. Oh yes, 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 yes. So weird. Um, it's uh, it's funny because this actually wasn't originally meant to be a unit story. Really? Yeah, it was originally going to be a three parter, and it was going to be um, the U.S. Air Force. Oh, interesting. Um, so obviously, you know. You know, here's the U.S. Air Force like traipsing around England with their n- nuclear missile, which makes a bit more sense. Yeah, in that sense. Um, but when it when it got bumped to four parts, they were like, "Oh, you know what? We could totally fit unit in. Huh. We've got enough space to fit unit in." Um, and obviously, made it made it really um, international. Huh. You know, you've got a lot more diversity in the unit members in the story. It's not just a bunch of British guys. Right, right. Uh, but um <clears throat> yeah, that was one of those one of those little uh nuggets that I dug out of this book. And I, I yeah, I could see it as a uh, yeah. US Air Force being like, Yeah, we got our nuke. What we were hiding them at Rendlesham, that that wasn't a UFO, that was a UFO. <laughs> uh, whatever. You know? Um so yeah, Bambera was supposed to be a uh Air Force captain originally. Interesting, but I mean, if that happens, then we don't get the whole return of the brig. Exactly. So, so when it got bumped to four parts, and they could be like, "Hey, wait a second, let's make this a unit story." Yeah. Get get Nick Courtney on the phone. Yes. You know, it, I think I think that it just made it that much better. Yeah, and I mean, and with him, there's like there's a lot of like fun stuff that they you know they reference from from the past. I think. Um, doesn't the doctor give Ace, uh, he gives her um, Liz Shaw's pa- yes. uh, uh, unit credentials. Uh, I thought yes. that was funny. But I think the thing that I, I uh, as we call in the wrestling business, the thing I popped for the most was the return of Bessie. Oh, I know. That I was, was like, such ah, delight. Bessie. And yep. yeah, that thing uh, apparently is basically... Uh, can travel eighty-eight miles per hour because it, it had the flame, the flame it, tracks. It totally did. And and this episode, you know, was produced and aired after Back to the Future. Came oh, out. it was. That's funny. oh yeah, because yeah, Back 80, to the Future yeah. was eighty-five. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, but I actually I love I just I love the little gadget that uh, the Doctor has that he sticks on like the horn button. Oh, like yes. I want just that gadget. I think yeah. it's cool looking. Um, but yes, now we've got, you know, Bessie apparently supercharged. Oh yeah. Um, and able to at least do burnouts on gravel. <laughs> um, but Bessie was never actually an old car. Um, um, I actually did some research a number of episodes back. Bessie is a kit car. Oh, um, and I think it's based off a Ford popular popular. Mm. It was, it's based off a of Ford. Okay. Um, so it's it's got a relatively modern engine and stuff, and it is just you know the body you you put on it or put around right. it um, is antiquated and everything. So I'm sure even in the Pertwee days, you know, if you had actually stuck it on gravel to pop the clutch, you could probably get the tires to spin. Interesting. Yeah. Very yeah. Interesting. Uh, yeah. So Bessie's back in play. She's traveling all over all over the place um i we need to talk about the the end of episode two 
which we briefly okay. touched on in the notes. Yeah. For me, like you said, this was one of the best cliffhangers in the history of the show. It really is a right proper cliffhanger. It is. And I, I think I tried to make this point last week or not last week, uh, maybe two to three episodes ago for us mm -hmm. like this. It aired September 6th through the 27th every yes. week. So there was a gap in time in 1989 where Ace appeared to like she was going to drown and the doctor was knocked unconscious by a Super Mario ghost. Um, <laughs> and that I that ending, I went, this is amazing. This is yep. this is good stuff. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's one of the best in the history of the show for sure. Uh, it could be even because like I went, oh no, and then I went, oh wait, it's some odd years later, and I it's fine. Don't worry about it. I'll see what happens next. Yeah, I think I think the the only kind of like uh, uh, detraction of of that kind of end scene at all is the points where we get like the point of view of our ghost snake. Oh geez, well right, yeah. and it's the cameraman, and it, and it comes, you know, rushing up to Sylvester McCoy, and you 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 know you can kind of see him put put his hands out, so it's like as soon as he touches the camera as it comes up, and he falls back, and it's just like it's just not the most convincing. Yeah, I mean, we could well we could dive into Ghost Snake now. I mean, it, it, the graphics for Ghost Snake looked all right, but then we went into like Snake Vision. And I was like, well, nobody sees like that. I think that's one thing that, like, you don't yeah. see all the veins in your, at least I don't know, you know, maybe it, with time you do. And ugh, I don't know about that. But I'll be honest, after getting my eyes checked and they do that, like, flash where they try to take a picture of your retina, you, oh, you do kind of. Well, that you do. Yeah. I, I think <laughs> I have had that with some, some eye exams before where it's like, oh, like, but like to see like that, well, I guess you're a ghost snake and your your only uh, task in life is to murder. I guess you really just don't care. Maybe you're not. Well, that's maybe you're not thinking about that as a ghost snake. <laughs> but anyway, sn the, yeah, the ghost snake stuff was I was I was kind of like, huh, I don't I don't get it. But all right. And then like <laughs> it was just bumping him. That's all it was doing is just yeah. knocking him over. Yeah, it was it, it was about as effective as like a ghost snake in a video game would be it's bumping into you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that was kind of, I mean, but for me, it still didn't really take away from, it was just strange. Mm -hmm. I think is what it was. It I, honestly looking at it now, I mean, you know, 30 years later, you know, you go and it's like, well, that's just Hades doctor who, right. You know, you, you just go, well, well, this, this is, this is what they were doing. Um, Granted, the the recount of it uh, in in the script doctor book is is not uh, favorable of our of our green serpent. They talk about the serpent a little bit, yeah, just because video effects were always kind of unpredictable. Um, and 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 he compares it to Remembrance of the Daleks, where like the effects were great and they really went over the top for everything, right? Um, and he's like in Battleship, it was just it was terrible. Uh, with Sylvester tumbling and dodging a feeble visual artifact that was added weeks later in post-production. <laughs> um, and then 
there was the lamentable sparkly effect that was supposed to be the interstitial vortex, a portal between dimensions, but which looks more like a twinkly bead curtain in a Shanghai knocking yes. shop. Yes. That, I don't have any notes about that. I was like, you know what? I'll just let it, I'll let it slide. Um, yeah. But when he's like, it's all about timing and just starts twirling. Oh God. And the brig starts twirling. Yeah. Too. And I was like, <laughs> I wish, I wish they had hung on that shot a little longer just so we could watch the brig twirl for uh, half a second longer. That was ridiculous as well. I, oh. I, I would love to see the original footage before the video effect was put in. Oh my God. Yes. Can you imagine the stage direction? Okay. When you say this line, you need to start twirling toward the camera. You too, Nick. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. fine. Okay. <laughs> um, I mean, in the realm of visual effects, like they said, they weren't like all that great, I guess. But uh, do you include the explosions in the visual effects? I do. Um, I think of those as practical. Well, okay, no, because you're right. This story has got visual effects explosions. Yes. Um, I, I normally consider them practical effects, like in the battle scenes. Right. Um, but when you're when you're CSOing it over like uh, uh, the ruins of a castle in the distance, that's definitely a visual effect. Yeah, I mean those those looked all right, but I, I'm more saying like there were so they must have had so much fun setting these explosions on set oh right they were huge <laughs> they were like dangerously huge at some points and then that yeah. like that scene where i think it's the brig and the doctor looking down at uh the the site that they were uncovering all those things that were buried and it's just like explosions every half second that was nuts. Right. That was nuts. It was a lot of fun too, though. Yeah, but yeah, all the explosions looked great. Um, I mean, for visual effects, I mean, we had the space night, which was funny. Oh, but the then didn't didn't we also have one explosion that quote unquote launched launched one of our space nights? Oh, where he like slow mo flew. <laughs> yes, Dude, that was so funny. Oh my god, that was so bad. They should have just put that like. Sound effect behind it. Oh, oh my gosh! Yes, I feel like I need to find that sound effect. Oh, and put it on the, and yeah, put it in myself. Do it. That's because so that's funny. exactly what it is. That is completely like that slow mo bionic man. Yes. kind of jump. Oh my goodness, <clears throat> that would have been so great. Yes, uh, I mean visual effects wise, I mean really some of the uh, what she had the thing. Oh, the finger beams looked kind of cool. The witch? The, yes, the witchy finger beams. Oh, um, yes. Yes, 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 yes. And then... Yes, uh, yeah, we'll get to her in a minute here. Um, um, you know what? One more visual effect that didn't quite work for me um, is when um, the Brigadier's helicopter gets hit. Oh, yes. And it's very obvious that there's a smoke pod <laughs> yeah. on, on, the, on the skid. Yeah, I mean, they tried. <laughs> No, but you know what? I got to admit, they they actually did a really good job. Like after the helicopter was down and and they blew it up. Yeah, that was insane. Because that actually was a fiberglass helicopter. Amazing. Uh, that actually was a completely different model, and I didn't, I couldn't tell. No, I couldn't really tell either. But they did, they did a very good job with that. Yeah, I think between blowing it up and some quick editing, you you like I said, you you just can't tell that it's a completely different model. Yeah, of absolutely. Helicopter. 
My only other visual effect is when the destroyer materializes into the room. Oh, <laughs> yes. Which I enjoyed. But then in turn, we must talk about the destroyer. Oh, yes. Let's talk about the destroyer. I might go on record as saying, I think this character design and execution of character design is one mm-hmm. of the best like one-off villains in Doctor Who. Uh, honestly, I thought the destroyer looked fantastic a lot like a hamover from curse of fenric yes like the same color blue i think Mm -hmm. um but yes just the build up the the getting him in shadow and he's got his big like flipping devil horns going on Yeah, man um you know he he this guy could front a metal band like nobody else oh my goodness absolutely he would be in uh in in lord eye for sure okay Look, look them up Oh, they're will. basically like gore, but not okay. Gotcha. I think they're British. I can't remember, but anyway, British um, gore. yes, British gore. Um, yeah, and and you know the other thing, like I I took a couple of pauses while I was watching this because I had to go to the store get this pups and stuff. Fair. Um, and I remember thinking, like while I was driving around, I'm like, I kind of hope he doesn't talk. Oh, and then he did talk. Yes, and I went, no, this is great. <laughs> Like the the voice the you know the sound effects they used on his voice the the voice modulator if you will mm-hmm. sound it sounded great I could understand what he was saying but it still sounded like he was a demon or something uh, it was good stuff they did such a good job with the destroyer like man yeah and you're right they built him up correctly like hanging out in the shadows yep. and he's in the chains. Then he's out of the chains, and then he's just wrecking everything. Um, well, yeah, and and one of the neat things is that the actor who plays him mm-hmm. was one of the Russian soldiers in Curse of Fenric. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. He, yeah, he did a uh, uh, Merrick An- Anton. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did a great job. Yeah, and I honestly, I would go so far to, and I'm going to take a cue from your book. I, I think the destroyer is a wrestler because I mean, look at him tearing off his shirt. Oh my goodness, that was so, He's just like Rawr! that was so funny, and I was kind like I'm uh, a little pointless. I went, why is he doing this? I don't get it. Uh, rage, maybe I guess it's so. itchy. It, it got starched or something. Yeah, because it, clearly it was not clothes or garb that he would wear. No. That was just put uh, on him by his captors. There you go. But he still looked pretty cool. I like cool. that. I mean, he looked pretty cool still. Are, are, you, are you ready to hear the story behind yes. how the Destroyer was supposed to? Oh, my goodness. Um, yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. So, so, and I'm, again, I'm reading from, from Script Doctor. The first climax of Battlefield involves the summoning of a monster called the Destroyer. This spike-faced blue brute was an exceptional piece of design, beautifully executed by Sue Moore and Stephen Mansfield, who elaborated from a plasticine devil's head they had shown John, Nathan Turner, earlier in the season. The original intention, here we go, get ready for this. The original intention in the script was for the Destroyer to arrive after much diabolical fanfare and turn out to be, against all expectations, an inoffensive and meek-looking little nebbish of a guy in a pinstriped business suit like a timid civil service clerk inexplicably bound with chains. Then, 
when his chains were removed, he would transform into a hideous towering demon with talons bursting through his skin and so on. This was a lovely idea, but budgetary constraints prevented any attempt at a transformation, and we ended up with a destroyer that looked demonic throughout. Oh, my God. <laughs> that would have been insane. Wouldn't it? I mean, and it would make sense because he's bound by magic. So, of course, oh, man. And he looks like this little meek dude in a suit. Love it. And Love you're it. like, this is the destroyer, a civil servant type. Huh? Like, what else? Then the chains come off, and it's just like, Rah! Which is, I thought, you know, when he started ripping his clothes off, I'm like, oh, maybe he's, like, going to grow or something. I don't know. Right. But, you know, I either way, I, I feel like he gave props to the designer, which is, you know, they need those props for sure. This was oh, absolutely. This and was and frankly, I mean, I love the look of it. I love. And if, in fact, when when you, John, get a chance to look at the scans that I send you, if you go down into the um, the Mike Tucker, Sophie Aldred book pages that I scanned for you, they've got some behind the scenes on on creating uh, the Destroyer. Oh, my goodness. Uh, the actual um, like mock ups and stuff. It's pretty cool. I'm down. I am yeah. absolutely down. This character, I kind of, I hope they uh, did some other stuff with him. Um, in it looks like they did some stuff with him in the comic. Okay, great, perfect. I mean, great character design. It and it's it sucks that it's only for you know two episodes. Yeah, pretty much. Love it. Love it. Um, <laughs> uh, we need to talk about, I guess, one of our one of our villains. Um, it's. Is it Morgan? Morgan. Morgan. Like Rogaine? Yeah, oh, but Morgan. obviously not. Morgan. Oh, there we go. Yes. It's it's Morgan. It's not Rogaine. It's Morgan. Why not? You gain more. That's uh, exactly right. Um, I I thought the actress did a a good job. I the the costume design though. I just didn't. It was. It seemed very thrown together. Me. really it wasn't working for you huh? no and i don't know if it was because like <laughs> I, for some reason i i thought to myself maybe the 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 uh the clothing she was wearing was not flattering to her hair i mean uh, once again not an expert in anything but that's just what <laughs> i what i felt i i i was like i'm not feeling this at all um, I, I think I can see what you're talking about because the, there was, I don't want to call it monochromatic, but a lot of her, like her chest piece. And I mean, like she was basically wearing a skirt, um, yes, but it, and, the skirt and with also the crown looked, yeah. and everything else, the, the colors were all very close on a color palette. Let's put it that way. Yes. And I mean, I guess with a, a a moniker like the sun killer um you know kind of have to have a brighter color palette and honestly i, I suppose well, i thought when i saw heard that nickname i went good lord the sun killer but then i realized oh it's not s o n it's s u n although she she basically bails on her son so Very true. She, it, it could fit it could it could it could absolutely fit um i i really enjoy Jean Marsh's portrayal and a fun fact about her she played Sarah Kingdom oh in the first doctor uh, in the Dalek Master Plan oh very interesting not only that she was married to John Pertwee for a time oh really yes 
Very interesting. Yeah. And so they, they, they brought her back. Um, man, she is patient as a character and very old because apparently she's waited 12 centuries. Yeah, man. Waiting forever. Um, but I love, I, I really enjoy like her interaction, you know, like interacting with the brig. Yes. I love that first interaction. There is this like this honorable warrior kind of thing where like they can be on opposite sides, have a discussion and be like, all right, next time I see you, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. I'm going to murder you, but go have a good day. Yeah. Have a nice rest of your day. Um, I love that she just, you know, catches that bullet and just like crumbles it to powder. Yes. Um, that's crazy. That, that scene was very strange because she murders, um, Lavelle. Yeah. Which is sad because I feel like that character could have, uh, done a lot more than just drive the brig around. Yeah. Honestly, I thought I was like, oh, this character is going to be in it to win it. And nope. Uh, she was, uh, turned to dust after, uh, Morgane stole her her memories or something. Mm-hmm. And the bar owner's like, can't just leave her like that. And he's like, all right, fine. Or I'll murder her or something. And then she's like, oh, but also I'm going to give your wife her sight back. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, I see my son drank a lot here. Let me pay the bill by giving your wife her sight back. Yeah, that was uh, all right. And, so and I, I have to say, I don't know, I don't know what it is about the pub owner and his wife, but I feel like they've walked out of an episode of EastEnders. For <laughs> yes. what it's worth, I've never actually watched an episode of EastEnders, Fair. but they just have this like '80s British soap opera feel about them, and I, I don't know what it is. Yeah, no, I, agree. I agree, I absolutely agree. <laughs> uh, but also, like, I believe her name was Elizabeth. She, she I felt like she was going to be some sort of like plant from the other uh like her and the husband were a plant from from the the sideways dimension because oh that would have been interesting yeah because she was like there is another or something you know she was just like Mm -hmm. being all ominous and mysterious um and then she got her sight back and she's like whatever and just walked away (laughs) that was the end of it (laughs) well it's true because they do eventually like evacuate yes uh, um, all non-essential casting members. <laughs> yes, which was now that I think about it, very funny. But also, like, I appreciated it because that meant they weren't just hanging around, right? Yeah, ex- yeah. Except like there's, for... there's, there's clearly like a reason to do it. Yes, but there's also this like, okay, we have too many characters in the story now. Um, you, you, and you, we need to evacuate you. I mean, didn't how long did uh did uh Xiao Young hang around? Um, she hung around for a while. I really didn't. I yeah. mean, uh, I honestly, I'm sitting. Oh, she was there throughout the whole thing. They had they, mm-hmm. had, they had ladies' night with her at the end. That's right. Uh, I mean, really, the only thing I took away from that character is she just also loved blowing things up. Yeah, I have to admit that on the one hand, I love that we get the diversity that we get in this story. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> In that same breath, I feel like Shayan uh, doesn't really serve much of a purpose. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I agree. I just didn't really uh, um, didn't get it. You know, she yeah, she also likes that stuff blows up. Apparently, she works for the archaeologist dude. I didn't really quite get that. 
Um, yeah, I didn't get that either. <laughs> yeah, no, I read that on like TARDIS Wiki or, or somewhere. And um, she 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 serves a purpose in a few scenes, like when she and Ace are in the chalk circle and like Morgana who, or whoever is, is trying to influence, like get them to fight against each other and get outside the circle, outside yeah. the protection. Um, but I, I don't, she's underutilized. I can't say that she's pointless or like she shouldn't be there. She's obviously there, but she's underutilized. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I could have really used more of a um i felt like they had a relationship her and ace but i feel like mm-hmm. there could have been something more there i felt like there was something more there but we just never got to it yeah it's not it's not something that that, that pans out or really gets kind of fleshed out at all did they did they say anything about it in the uh in the book um i don't really think so i'm scanning it really quick because i you know you you did say they shipped off a lot of the the not needed characters which i actually didn't even really think about which is great because you know we talk about how the older stories sometimes they're just bloated with characters Mm -hmm. some of which are just taking up screen time to tell us you know what has happened uh (laughs) for like 10 minutes and then they're dead um, I like this idea of we just got rid of like three, maybe to four characters like via. Oh, also via um, apparently Dr. Jedi mind trick. Oh, yes. I love that. That was hilarious. That was a fun. That was a fun scene. But also I was just very confused because sometimes I forget what the doctor can and cannot do. But then I go, mm-hmm. eh, whatever, it's fine. Yeah, not um, much that I see anywhere on interesting her character um you know definitely complaints about uh unit using uzis <laughs> they wouldn't have used uzis all right they, they would have used rifles but you know yeah what can, what can you do i guess i don't i don't really know um there were uh, there was a point a couple of times which i i could not at first figure it out I couldn't hmm. tell if every time the knights would show up, if there, if this was a noise that the knights actually made, or if it was just a well placed guitar wail. Right. Uh, but either way, very cool. Yeah, I think uh, it was the latter. There, I think it was the. I'm pretty certain it was the latter because, um, uh, yes, the music is so 80s, even when it's trying to be serious and yes. my note my note for that is it tries so hard to be metal at times it does, and I mean this music is the most 80s music is another one of my notes, and like it was it was fun. I enjoyed the music for the most part, but there was some scenes where I went, this seems very ill placed yeah. There was like one or two instances that I remember feeling that way. I didn't mark them, so they apparently were not that big of a deal. But you know what? At least it wasn't like the uh, dopey super circus music we get when Daleks are on scene. Oh my! What? Do you remember that? Yes. What was that for? Oh, it. I swear it was a third Doctor story. I don't remember which it one off the top of my head right now. That was. That's what happens when we record late in the evening. That was insane. Yeah. That was insanity. <laughs> um, I mean, set-wise, they always seem to find a great castle at just, like, every time they do this. 
England does seem to be full of them, don't they? Uh, it was a great location. The cemetery was also a fun little uh, set piece for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, looked great. Um, I mean, there's that gi- the giant fish statue room is what I called it. Yeah. Uh, the statue yes. looked cool. It had great lighting. Um, I believe, no, that was not, that was something else. The, the sword room was a room that we saw a lot. Um, yes. But we didn't really know where or what it was. It had King Arthur's body in it, which also apparently contained a note from the doctor to himself, uh, which is morbid on many levels. Um, and it, it looked pretty cool as well. And I mean, it contained that chamber with the water, which is weird. I mean, yeah. I don't I don't really know if I have anything else I... I mean, we haven't even talked about um, Mordred. No. Who is no. basically just a, la- uh, a walking maniacal laugh. Oh, my God. And he really... He loved that. Like, there was there was one part where, like, he's laughing for a good long time. And I'm like, dude. Yeah, I'm like, what is going on? Are we done It's yet? not that. It, no, admittedly, talking the way he does. Like, tr- he, he's, he's like, it really is kind of almost a Shakespearean villain. Yes. Kind of, you know, because he's 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 got the 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 more um, middle or early English uh, phrasing, um, but he he honestly, I mean, he's really kind of a meathead son. Yeah, basically, you know, he's more like I'm a badass. No, dude, your mom's a badass. You're just the son. You're just of there. Yeah, he's just the son. You know, he's like whatever. Yeah, basically. I'm out of here. <laughs> um, that one's for Ma Soka, man. Um, <laughs> It's hard to take him seriously. Yeah. Not Mike Mordred. Oh, no, no, no. Not at all. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, he's he's riding his mom's coattails. It's completely what it is. Yeah, for sure. Um, I thought Anselin was great, too. I thought he did a really great job. And I, I, I loved Anselin. I, I got to admit, when you, when you first see him, you're like, okay, you need to be surfing. Yeah, absolutely. It's just, it's just the blonde hair. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's what it is. I mean, he got pretty close to the water, but it didn't happen. No, no, that lake did not really have much in terms of wakes. So. I mean, it might have when that uh, that underwater base exploded, <laughs> right? Maybe you, you get one or two good ways, and that's it. Maybe he would have done. Um, uh, you know what? I actually might have a Duggan smash the Duggan scale. Oh, good! I was just thinking about the Duggan scale the other day. We haven't added to it in a while. It's been a while. I yes. think. What would you give? Um, the destroyers throwing the brig through that stone wall. Ooh, because I think that's a pretty good one. Um, especially yeah. who whomever was the stunt guy for the brig just really sold that. Uh, <laughs> I went, well, the brig is dead. That's what I thought. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah. this is where he dies. He just gets you know, thrown and- through a stone wall. And the funny thing is, is they actually considered like oh, killing off did, the brig really? in this story and giving him that, you know, honorable out and not ever letting him turn into a freaking Cyberman. Well, I mean, uh, I don't think they would have had any say over that. But this okay, if he had, if he had died, I was like, oh, he's going to die. Like, that's what I thought when he he just said, I, what did he say? He's like, I'm just doing the best I can. Which yep. would just have been a horrible last line for a character. <laughs> I'm just doing the best I can. Standing there is pistol. I'm just working for the weekend. Yeah, man. I mean, 
That's what I would have thought he would have said five rounds rapid. If he had said that and died, I would have been like, hell yeah, Brig. Oh, my God. That would have been amazing. Had those been his last words, that would have been epic. I did love that he also just messes with the doctor when they finds him for like a minute. (laughs) Well, yeah, and they, you know, in the book they say, you know, we decided to have our cake and eat it too and just make everybody think that we killed him off. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yes, absolutely. Um, Yeah, that was good stuff. So what would you give... Ooh. give that I, i'd honestly yeah. just because i mean if you think about it a demon is using uh is that telekinesis yeah yeah telekinesis mind to to throw a man through a stone wall and i'm also taking into consideration the stunt man acting going through the wall and hitting the ground i me right now i'm i'm ready to give it a solid eight uh, you know, I was I was starting eight and a half. Woo! All right. I was starting eight and a half, and I was almost leaning toward nine. The way you were describing that, I'm like, you know what? That's true. That's, That's pretty, pretty epic. I mean, I you know what? Let's just go with what you said. Eight point five. Yeah, we'll just go with eight point five. I'm fine with All it. All right, we'll there call it an eight and a half. There you go. Eight. Good deal. And two quarters. Yes, eight and two quarters. Ah, oh, you and my son are both learning fractions right now. I see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, uh, speaking of family, Taylor, uh, unless you have anything else to add, I think we can move to the behind the couch scale here. Um, I, I, I do have one little thing to add. You know, you were talking earlier about that um, crawling piece of currency. Yes. Yes. And I was just going to give a here it is the the little story on that um just just while i still have it open um so the the clockwork spider type device we ended up with was disappointing at least the way it shot is disappointing and the gag falls flat it was supposed to be a jelly thing recalls ben a little blob in fact john nathan turner cut the line about it which said it's a mutated jelly baby oh john nathan turner what are you doing I personally, I thought it was fine. I'm like, you know, here's this little, basically like almost wind up spider looking thing. Yeah. Oh no, no, that's very valuable currency. Okay, sure. I thought, yeah, I liked it. You know, and a jelly blob moving around being current. I'm like, I'd roll with that too. But I, I, I can see the, you know, wind up thing being a little easier to uh, produce in terms of an effect. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So let's uh, move on to that behind the couch scale. All right. Well, frankly, the story itself is pretty engaging and not overly scary. I would totally be down for the kids watching this. Yeah. I mean, I I would, you know, I would agree. I wasn't really frightened by anything. I mean, I guess the only thing that could maybe, you know, be a little frightening for children is the destroyer who looks very scary because he's so well done yeah you know that is true but i really i think everything else in context looking at the effects um you know some of the stuff that i mean they'd look at the green serpent and go wait what is that yeah (laughs) you know yeah um it's kind of entertaining because every now and then like i'll just throw pluto tv on like if i'm doing dishes um, or if I'm waiting for one of the kids to get out of the shower. Um, and so, you know, they've been exposed to like a couple minutes of some fourth doctor stories, uh, a couple minutes of time in the Ronnie, 
Um, and so yeah, they'll be like, wait, what's that? I'm like, well, that's canine, you know? And yeah. so I'm able to introduce these little bits oh, cool. here and there. Um, cool. so I kind of can get a feel for, okay, would they actually find this scary? Would they find that scary? Um, so it's nice. I'm doing this, just this little couple minutes here, a couple minutes there, just, just adjusting them into fandom. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, and I feel like we would both recommend that everyone watch this. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's a fun one. If you like the brig on, on any level, this is worth seeing. Absolutely. So, Taylor, are you ready for ready for next time? It is your pick, John. So it's and my... I am ready to find out <laughs> what you are going to I I suddenly feel like Joel on Mystery Science Theater <laughs> three thousand and well, Matt. Yes. <laughs> Your it's, movie next it's... week. Um, so I, you know, I went to our list, which I need to update of uh, the, you know, the Doctor Who episodes we have done. Oh yeah, it's been a while. Huh? Yeah, it's been a little while, but um, I, I was scrolling through NOTLG, uh, the the archives on NOTLG.com, and I did not see Colin Baker's face for a little while. So I thought to myself. Let's do a Colin Baker episode. But here's okay. here's the thing. There are only two Colin Baker episodes we have not done. Shut up. Really? So, because we did all of uh, season um, Trial of Time Lord. Right. We did all of that. We did uh, Twin Dilemma. Yep. And we've done every episode from this, this season that we're going to do an episode from, except this one and... Um, oh goodness, another one, and I can't remember the name of it. Of course. I mean, I could I could look it up really really quickly. I, I think it was like the Vengeance of Varos. Ven- Vengeance on Varos. Yes, that's the yeah. one. Yeah. Holy smokes. Yeah. So those are the only two we have not done. Unbelievable. So I was like, you know what? Let's do this one. And then I looked up some history. Not a, not a, not history, but I have I have noticed that people either love this episode or this story or they absolutely hate it and just for reference this according to io9 mm-hmm. is the worst doctor who story of all time and this is updated through capaldi's run wow so next time on podcastica we are going to watch time lash starring Colin Baker as the Doctor, and Nicola Bryant as Perry Doctor. <laughs> it was written by Glenn McCoy and directed by Pennett Roberts. Still such a great name. Still um, an amazing name. And um, yeah, the the jury is out on this story, but we will let you know. And I don't, hopefully, uh, I haven't damned us to uh, to watch. Hopefully we find some good stuff in this, but you know, I, I you know what, breath. again, you know, worst case scenario, we sleep no more. It. Yeah, man. Um, we make the best out of it. Absolutely. So, I mean, that's it for us this week, but before we get out of here, you can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at the podcastica. You can follow me on Twitter at JP thrice, and you can follow Taylor on Twitter blue box ufo subscribe to us on itunes and stitcher and spotify and soundcloud and uh i don't know wherever you get your podcasts just search podcastica rate and review us as well i already mentioned soundcloud so the script 
is already just off the rails. My goodness. Head on over to notlg.spreadshirt.com. Buy one of our many, many Podcastica shirts. We have the um, our little logo, which was is us drawn inside the TARDIS. It's a great logo. If I it, love it. If it's not broken, don't 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 fix it. And so we'll be keeping that until we get bored of it. But I don't see us getting bored of it. Uh, Future of Time and Space is female, and then our um, our backwards shirt, which I always forget, but I love it the so much. Solid track playing. The solid track playing. I went to the solid track playing, and all I got was this shirt and medical frog. I believe is the, the sub. <laughs> yes, good stuff. <laughs> love that shirt. Um, yeah, go check it out, everybody. Notlg.spreadshirt.com and Patreon.com/slash/notlg. Help this train a move right along by donating monetarily. Uh, the Y-Axis, they support us, so let's support them. Twitter.com slash the Y-Axis, Facebook.com slash the Y-Axis, the Y-Axis.bandcamp.com. They, like us, are also on Spotify, so that has been it for us this week. Join us again in two weeks where hopefully we find some joy out of Time Lash, and we will talk to you guys then. See ya. See ya. Uh, I mean, really, the only thing I took away from that character is she just also loved blowing things up.